Here is Steve Jobs talking about why big companies make bad products. People get confused. Companies get confused. When they start getting bigger, they want to replicate their initial success. What happens is, like with John Scully, um, John came from PepsiCo, and they, they at most would change their product, you know, once every 10 years. I mean, to them, a new product was like a new size bottle, right? So if you were a product person, you couldn't change the course of that company very much. So who influenced the success of PepsiCo? The sales and marketing people. Therefore, they were the ones that got promoted, and therefore, they were the ones that ran the company. Well, for PepsiCo, that might have been okay, but it turns out the same thing can happen in technology companies that get, get monopolies, like, oh, IBM and Xerox. If you were a product person at IBM or Xerox, so you make a better copy or a better computer. So what? When you have a monopoly market share, the company's not any more successful. So the people that can make the company more successful are sales and marketing people. And they end up running the companies. And the product people get driven out of decision-making forums. And the companies forget what it means to make great products. It Sort of the product sensibility and the, the product genius that brought them to, the, to that monopolistic position gets rotted out by people running these companies who have no conception of a good product versus a bad product. They have no conception of the craftsmanship that's required to take a good idea and turn it into a good product. And they really have no feeling in their hearts, usually, about wanting to really help the customers. There's a, just a tremendous amount of craftsmanship in, in between a great idea and a great product. And as you evolve that great idea, it changes and grows. It never comes out like it starts, because you learn a lot more as you get into the subtleties of it. And you also find there's tremendous trade-offs that you have to make. I mean, you know, there are, there are just certain things you you can't make electrons do. There are certain things you can't make plastic do, or glass do, or factories do, or robots do. And as you get into all these things, designing a product is keeping 5,000 things in your brain, these concepts, and fit, fitting them all together in, in, in kind of continuing to push to fit them together in new and different ways to get what you want. And every day you discover something new that is a new problem or a new opportunity to fit these things together a little differently. And it's that process that is the magic. I read an article when I was very young in Scientific American. And it, um, it measured the efficiency of locomotion for various species on the planet. So for, you know, bears and chimpanzees and raccoons and birds and fish, how many kilocalories per kilometer did they spend to move? And, and, and humans were measured, too. And uh, the condor won. It was the most efficient. And uh, mankind, the crown of creation, came in with a rather unimpressive showing about a third of the way down the list. Um, but somebody there had the brilliance to test a human riding a bicycle blew away the condor all the way off the charts. And I remember this really had an impact on me. I, I really remember this, that humans are tool builders. And we build tools that can dramatically amplify our innate human abilities. 
And to me, we, we actually ran an ad like this very early at Apple, that the, the personal computer was the bicycle of the mind. And I believe that with every bone in my body, that, that of all the inventions of humans, the computer is going to rank near, if not at the top, as history unfolds and we look back. As you know, when, when you set a vector off in space, if you can change its direction a little bit at the beginning, it, it's dramatic when it gets a few miles out in space. I feel we've been, we, we are still really at the beginning of that vector. And if we can nudge it in the right directions, uh, it will be a much better thing uh, as, it, as it progresses on. And, and I look, you know, I think we've had a chance to do that a few times. Um, so there was something beyond sort of what you see every day. There's something going on here in life beyond just a job and a family and two cars in the garage and a career. There's something more going on. There's another side of the coin that we don't talk about much. And, 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 and we experience it when there's gaps, when, when we kind of just aren't really, when everything's not ordered and perfect, when there's kind of a gap, you experience this inrush of something. And, and a lot of people have set off throughout history to find out what that was. You know, whether it's Thoreau or whether it's you know, some Indian mystics or whoever it might be. And, and the hippie movement got a little bit of that and they wanted to find out what that was about. And that life wasn't about what they saw their parents doing. And of course the pendulum swung too far the other way and it was crazy. But there was a germ of something there. And um, it's, it's the same thing that causes people to want to be poets instead of bankers, you know? And, and I think that's a wonderful thing. And I think that that same spirit can be put into products. The video I took this from ends with a little bit of a pointed agenda. It has a list of Apple innovations under Steve Jobs and Apple after his death. So under Steve Jobs, Apple invented the iPhone, the iPad, the iPod, the mouse, Apple TV, iMac, MacBook Air, MacBook portable computer, iPod Touch, iPod Shuffle, iPod Nano, wireless keyboard, Power Mac, graphical user interface, MacBook Pro, iMac Pro, Mac Mini, the App Store, Macintosh Server, Safari, iTunes, Apple Music, iCloud, Final Cut Pro, Xcode, iMessage, iBook, Time Capsule, and Magic Mouse. And after Steve Jobs' death, iWatch, Apple TV+, Apple Pay, AirPods, and Apple Pencil.